Welcome to the Trinity Galewood podcast. Here you'll find live messages recorded during our weekly services at Trinity. We are a community that desires to look, live, and love more like Jesus. We're located at 1701 North Narragansett in Chicago and meet every Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. We hope you enjoy this episode of the Trinity Galewood podcast. Father, we thank you uh, that you're a God who speaks into all areas of our life. And, uh, and Lord, I pray today that as we look at your word once again and we see how you are so wise, I pray that we would hear that wisdom and that we would apply that to our lives to find greater joy uh, in this world, in all that you call us to do. May your spirit guide and lead us in this conversation today. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. So uh, we are continuing on in our series called Stewards, and if that's a foreign word to you, the Bible uses it. We look at 1 Peter chapter 4, talking about how God has given his people gifts, and we're called to steward those gifts. And so a steward, as we're defining it, is someone entrusted with another's resources and who seeks to manage those resources according to the owner's vision and values. As Christians, we believe that God has given us gifts, and so we're supposed to use those gifts as he sees fit. And so far, we've talked about a couple of really big words. Week number one, we were discussing uh, the word priority. And what we meant by that word priority is it's removing this thought that priority is like a one through five list. Do you remember this? Taking that out, saying, no, what priority actually means is what's in the center of our lives. Not one through five, but what is the one thing in our lives that is priority that influences all of these other parts of our life. And then last week, we had Pastor Mark with us, and he uh, gave us this phrase, that being a good steward is about being intentional. And it's not about what God, what God wants from you, but instead what he wants for you. And in doing so, we introduce this generosity ladder, which some of you can only see from this level right here. But from the bottom, we have our first time, occasional, intentional, tither, and extravagant. And today we'll talk a little bit more about that. But, but I want to discuss here our third word, which is this. The word is influence. And to do that, I want to share a little story. Uh, my wife loves this movie. Uh, anybody else like a big fan of It's a Wonderful Life by chance? All right. She absolutely loves this movie. Every single year when it comes up, like she just has to watch it. It's still on TV, all this sorts of stuff, right? And in fact, this last year we got a group of friends together. We went over to somebody's house and we watched this movie. It is two hours and 15 minutes long. And uh, and when we were coming home from our friend's house, my wife was just like glowing. She was smiling. And I said to her, I was like, are, are you okay? And, and she's like, yeah, this movie just does something to me. It, it reminds me of so many things. So I remember the first time that uh, I watched this movie was with my wife. It was with her family as well in St. Louis. We were sitting in their living room, and I'm just not a fan of old black and white movies. 
prefer watching any sporting event instead. And so uh, I decided to do my duty because we were married and thought, you know what, uh, I'm going to earn some chips with the family. But I'm going to be smart in how I do this, right? So I picked out the best chair in the family room. I uh, strategically grabbed my cell phone and put it close to me. And I was sitting there and watching the movie. And within the first 15 minutes, I probably asked five or six questions. And they started with like being kind of serious, but then also kind of making fun of the movie. And, And I was getting like very few responses from people. So then I proceeded to grab my cell phone and played Candy Crush for the next two hours on my phone and thought by the end of the movie that my wife would be like, man, you are the best husband ever. We can watch sports the rest of the night. Everything's going to be so great. But instead, she looked at me with a very evil eye and said, I can't believe you just did that. And, and it reminds me of this like very simple point, right? That, that even though I was present and I did something, my intention for doing it or the reason that I did it was in the wrong place. Anybody ever been there before if you've been in a relationship, right? I can receive some flowers from somebody, but... But if they're from the wrong intention or place, I don't care that you sent me those flowers. And it's interesting because inside of our culture, we like love this phrase, right? Just do it. If you just do it, you will receive some reward. If you just endure it, it doesn't matter how you do it or why you do it, you'll get the award. But I would be willing to argue here today that our intentions have to be more than just doing it or achieving something. That in fact, if our intentions are wrong, it can be a horrible influence to those around us. And so with that being said, I wanna introduce you to this guy, Paul. He's a writer of the New Testament And he is a church planter. He's gone and planted all of these churches early on after Jesus has died. And he's instructing all of these people some really important teachings that we still hold to today here in the church. And in one of those areas that he planted a church was known as Corinth. And he went to Corinth and he had heard after he left of all of these wrong teachings and understandings that they had started to take in. And so Paul, scholars would call him kind of like a a spiritual doctor. In, In one of his letters in 2 Corinthians, which we just read from, is prescribing to the people of Corinth a medicine an understanding, a healthier way to look at the problem that they are experiencing. And what, they're, what they've gotten wrong is their understanding about giving, their intention and their influence for giving to others. In fact, I want to look here at this phrase here. This is going to be kind of the overall statement that God gives so we can give cheerfully. 
Look at it here in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, starting in verse 6. It says this. The point is this, Paul writes, Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now, maybe you've heard that phrase before in verse 6 of like, you just have to sow a seed and then God will bountifully bless it. I promise you that's not going to be the main point of the sermon here today because that's not what Paul is instructing his people to do. If you read it in context, he has one command that he wants them to get. And look here in verse 7, it begins here. He says, let me make sure I'm on the right one. All right. He says this, each one must give as he has decided in his heart. What an interesting phrase here. Paul is saying that for us to understand, we have to recognize that each one of us has been gifted with many different things and we must decide what God has gifted us with. That's not an amount But it's a teaching that he is showing us. That each one of us has a task, a responsibility inside of this. And he continues on here saying that that giving must not be out of reluctancy or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. Not out of force or compulsion. Not to get God off of your back. Not to get the pastor off your back. Not to force you or paying your dues. No, the reason that you give is not any of those. And this is a really interesting teaching about the Christian God. Because this is so true, I see, of how God works in our lives. He's not some God who's just like, hey, shut up and obey. That's not how he works. There seems to be a lot of freedom that comes with God. Sometimes we wish to just be like, man, God, I wish you'd take care of business. But that's not always, that's just not in his character and how he always works. Instead, there's some freedom in how this happens. And Paul here is saying very clearly His point is clear to say that I want you to be a cheerful giver. One who recognizes that I give because of the joy that I have received. It's not that God just loves a giver or those who pay their dues, but he loves somebody who gives cheerfully. And the rest of Paul's argument here is all pointing back to this statement. He's not pointing to this concept of sowing a seed. He's pointing to the concept of becoming cheerful in our giving. He gives us a bunch of reasons of why this is a good thing for us. Notice it here. He continues on in verse 8. He says, and God is able to make Grace, make all grace abound to you 
So that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. He calls us to give cheerfully. First reason is because God is able to make grace abound in all of you. I don't know about you today, but that's really good news. That God's grace can work in all areas of my life. Somebody say amen to that. Because God is working in me. That's great news. The second reason that we should be cheerful givers is that God, having all sufficiency in all things at all times. Notice he doesn't say that I'm going to give or lavish you with many more things. But he says I'm sufficiently going to give you what you need in all things, at all times, in all ways. What a huge promise. And in that promise, what I hear is that Paul's saying to the people that when you give cheerfully, you will notice that God will not abandon you. What an incredible gift. And lastly, in this section, he says that you will or that you may abound in every good work. That when we give cheerfully, we are abounding. We're moving forward in the good works that God has called us to do. See, this is all about our intention, about the influence that that has on those around us. Paul continues here. He says, as it is written... He has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. This is interesting. Paul quotes something from the Old Testament from the book of Psalms. Actually, Psalm 112, verse 9. And the he there, you might think, well, like, is that God? No. When you read in Psalm 112, it's actually talking about a person. And this person has distributed freely. He has given to the poor and his righteousness endures forever. Think about that for a second. When we give cheerfully, our righteousness continues on forever. This isn't like some Kickstarter campaign, right? that was like started up, we launched it, and then in five years, some company overseas created the exact same thing and sold it for less, and then the campaign was done, right? No, this goes on forever. This gift that is giving, you're contributing to something that will go on forever. What an incredible promise that is. And for Paul, he's writing that this will bring you joy, that you're contributing to something that doesn't just satisfy you for an afternoon, but lasts forever. He keeps going here. He says that in he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. Again, Paul is referring to another passage in Isaiah 55.10, and the he there is God in that context. And what he's saying is that he, being God, will supply what you need 
He will, when we give cheerfully, he will provide for every good work and you will be blessed. Now, sometimes we hear passages like this and we say, all right, well, um, he will multiply your seed. And back to the sowing your seed aspect, if you've heard this sermon before, right? If you just give a little bit, God's going to provide materially so much more. And while it might appear that that's what God's word's saying, I, I promise you that if you have that intention in giving, you are like me sitting on the couch in my in-law's house saying, man, I really hope everybody's watching and that they're going to see that I'm so great. Because your intention is wrong here. This isn't about gaining more stuff or that God is some great investment plan. Now, to be clear here, I'm not to like say, hey, boy, I really wish I wouldn't have dressed up today. Or like, man, does God really allow good things? Or like, or is he against me having material wealth? Absolutely not. God blesses his people. But if we only look for his blessing in material value and worth, we've missed the whole point of what this section is talking about. Because Paul here is discussing that this is about joy and meaning in life. And that if we seek to find meaning and purpose in stuff, we really have put our heart in the wrong place. In fact, Paul concludes here in this section. He says that you will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. I love it how he finishes here. You'll be enriched in every way to be generous in every way. And it will lead you to thanksgiving, to gratitude towards God. And, and I want to illustrate this by just doing a little drawing, all right? So if you're more of the creative type, here you go. You can put this on your message notes, all right? So um, see, what Paul is writing here is this is all about the heart of the Corinthians, and I believe that this passage is for us today as well. This is all about our hearts. So Paul, he's not trying to raise money for a capital campaign or something like that. He's talking about our heart. And in our heart, he recognizes that each of us has this desire inside of us to care for others. It's just natural of how we are created to be. Whether you believe in God or not, there's something deep inside of us that we care about other people. That is our heart. But for the Christian, Paul writes here in this section, that the reason that we care for other people is because of God. We recognize that God is infusing in us. He is pouring in us. And it's because of what he does that that influences us to care for others. 
And what Paul is so concerned about here, and truthfully, what I am concerned about as the pastor of this church, is not the amount of money that you give, but is this intersection right here. The place of where God is giving, and it's called to go to others as well. This intersection that he has placed on us. Because for some of us, and I know this because I fall into this category, it can be easy just to always receive from God. To just consume it all, Lord, just keep bringing it on in. To keep showing up and just being present. But if it stops there, we miss the point. Or it can be on the other side, where it's just that I am constantly giving to others all the time, but I'm not receiving from God. We need to be careful about this intersection, that middle place there, that we recognize that God has gifted working in our lives, and that that is called to go to others. See, it's really in this place that we experience at this intersection, God's glory. It's in that place that we begin to see more of who God is. And that brings us joy in the process of doing that. And I don't think Paul is overly concerned with an amount of what that looks like. He doesn't say that if you make $50,000 a year, here's the exact number that you should give to the church. What he's concerned about is our heart and our intention and to be cheerful in that giving. I read this quote uh, this week from a guy named Doug LeBlanc. He says this, that how I donate money expresses power. If I carve my giving into slices of my own liking, I tighten my grip on power and money tightens its grip on me. I'm better aware of the ever deepening joy found in God's generosity when I surrender control of my giving to the community that welcomes me, a wretched sinner week after week and challenges me to become something more. It was interesting, as I was contemplating this quote, I was having a conversation with somebody, and we were talking about the power that money has. And if you're not aware, we were recognized, or we saw it again this last week from this like college admission scandal. Did you see this? It was on the news, right? Of this guy right here, who I recommend that you don't reach out to, okay, if you didn't see the story. But, uh, but basically, this guy... Uh, if you gave him some money, he would be able to open some doors for your children that they hadn't necessarily earned. There's no doubt that, that money expresses and is cl- closely linked to power. It opens doors in our society for good intentions and for wrong intentions. It gets us fancier stuff. And it certainly gives us an illusion of importance. But I think what Doug LeBlanc was saying that's helpful for us today to recognize is that money does have a tight grip on power. 
And for the Christian, Paul is really arguing that we would loosen up that grip a bit on the power that money has in our lives. And that would come by being cheerful in our giving. And so you might be asking right now, like, okay, I get this. Uh, We've talked about this now for three weeks. Like, I give a lot of money away. I'm not just, like, only consuming stuff for myself. I am a fairly generous person. I, I give... I give to a bunch of not-for-profits. I was at a concert one time, and they talked about these kids in India. And so, like, then I started to give $30 a month to that organization. Has anybody been in that boat before? I know I have, all right? Like, I've given to all of these things. I give to NPR because, you know, I got to hear about guys like Rick Singer, all right? Like, like, I give to all of these things. Is that, is that bad? Do I need to stop doing that? I would argue, no. I think, I think it's important for us to learn this art of giving. But I would challenge you this way, that if your giving is only going to things that you feel like you receive a reward from in the end, I wanna question where or why you're giving. What's your intention? And I would also ask, like, well, where does the church fit into that? Because the church is a place here where we remind each other every single week about who we are and whose we are. And that's an important thing that we need in our lives. And in doing that, when we learn this art of giving up a little bit more power to God, it teaches us more of what it looks like to follow him. So so being a good steward helps us understand our priorities. It helps us recognize that we need to be intentional But it also helps us see that when we give cheerfully, that has an influence on the world around us. This last week, uh, I was sitting at the back sound booth, and uh, and one of the teachers from Love It over here uh, came over after school. And uh, when he came in, he... uh, just was like, man, I've never been in this building before. And I can't tell you if I had a nickel for every time I heard that. <laughs> People just passing by here and say, man, I've never, I've seen this building so many times. I've tried to beat traffic on North Avenue and, you know, went up Narragansett, all sorts of stuff. And, and when they come in, they just are like, man, it is absolutely beautiful in here. And he was asking me a little bit more because we have a relationship that he was just like, man, tell me again how you got this building and, and like what's, how's ministry going and all the sorts of things that are happening. And I was reminded that, that we were gifted this space. But I want you to like kind of think back a little bit because there were people who were praying. There were people who were giving. 
There were people who had planned and visioned this beautiful space. The reality is that you and I will not meet them on this side of heaven because a lot of them aren't here anymore. But even just within years, imagine that there are people that walk by here that see that a church just two and a half years ago that sat empty on Sunday mornings is now open. A church that is a reflection of the beauty of what God is doing. I can tell you that a school teacher at the school just down the road here was like, man, it is insane what has happened in two and a half years. And it is a witness to God and who he is and what he is doing. And that That is joy that we should experience and celebrate and share in. And it is the reason that we continue on with the mission. It's the reason that we continue to give. It's not out of obligation or reluctancy, but out of joy. In fact, I love this illustration. There's this guy, his name's C.F.W. Walther. C.F.W. Walther, he has this great quote. Uh, He's writing about, it's really important that we have our intentions in the right place. That if our motivation is only by the law, we miss the heart of who God is. But it has to be out of the joy of experiencing the good news of him. He says this, it's like uh, being in prison. And if we have this view of God, it is so wrong that if we are in prison, that if God is a God who's like a jailer and he walks back and forth as we are in prison, holding on to a weapon and like, like scaring us with that weapon, that if our view of God is one, that he is constantly just watching us carefully and wants to make sure that we act right, We've missed the heart of who God is. But he says, a right view of God is when we view God as one who has not imprisoned us, but has freed us from the prison that we place ourselves in, has come to release us from that imprisonment and our motivation to follow and hold on to his words isn't out of fear that he is going to straighten us up if we go wrong. But our motivation is because of the joy, the the freedom that he has brought for us. And if you don't know, that came by his death and resurrection. Because of what he did for us on the cross and he rose from the dead, he says that those who believe in me will too experience this good life of freedom and joy. And so my hope for us today would be that as we talk about money again, 
that we would see how easily that can imprison us. It can put us into a place of where we are held in. I pray that we would see and have hope and trust that God is a part of that in our lives as well. And he desires to move us into freedom with him. Now, when you came in today, I, everybody got one of these, right? You want to show it to me real quick? Hopefully you didn't throw it away already, all right? Right here, this is uh, what's known as our generosity commitment. And last week, Pastor Mark was talking about this in our generosity ladder. Next Sunday is our last Sunday of this Stewards Sunday. And in it, you'll see a description of the generosity ladder, the many different steps that come with that. Because here's what I recognize. I'm not telling you that you need to come and like just give everything over to the church. I don't think that's what Jesus is calling for. But I do think that he calls us to give a portion to him. And that comes in various steps. And so this generosity ladder is a helpful tool to move in that right direction. But next weekend, what we're going to do is that on this tab right here that has the tear off, you see it right there? I want you to take this home and I want you to mark one of those things that you are planning on doing this next year for here at Trinity Galewood. And the reason that we're doing that is because we want to walk with you in this journey. Now, if you're a guest here and this is the only time you're going to be here, hey, cool, use this as a tool, read it for material, it's good stuff, all right? But if you want to be a part of this mission, we would really love it for you to take this home and pray about it and say, how is God moving you this next year to be a part of this mission? Next week, in fact, we're going to have an opportunity to bring this forward. We're not going to like stand up and say, all right, Dave and Gretchen McGinley have checked number one. All right, everybody clap. No, it's, it's not how it's going to go. This is about us as a church helping us grow and experience what Paul was teaching. That intersection of what God has given us and how we're called to give to others. Because that, with a healthy understanding, we will experience greater joy in the promises that come. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your gifts and how you work in this world. I pray, God, that as we talk more about you and all that you bring, I pray, God, that we would be cheerful and full of joy for the good gifts that you continue to embark and put on, on us. And I pray, God, as stewards of those very gifts, that we would, we would learn more of how to, to use your gifts for your glory and for our joy. I know that money is, is a difficult thing to talk about. I know that as we live in an expensive city that is filled with all kinds of bills and all kinds of expectations, it is challenging and difficult to find that place of where we're called to give to you. 
I pray, God, that we would look deeply to you. I pray that we would show trust in you. And I pray, God, that we would give out of cheer, not out of obligation or duty, knowing that when we do, we are, we are a part of your kingdom that is working in this place and will continue to work. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.